0: Okay, so we are now recording. Welcome to the Center for Trustworthy Scientific Cyber Infrastructures webinar for uh, April 20, uh, or sorry, May 23rd. <laughs> Today's topic is an overview of CTSC. CTSC is the NSF Cybersecurity uh, Center of uh, Excellence, and they, these webinars are part of its mission to deliver high-quality, actionable guidance regarding cybersecurity to the NSF community. More information about us can be found at uh, trustedci.org. Before we do the introductions, I just want to clarify some things uh, and apologize to those of you in the community who had to reschedule this meeting. We had some technical issues in April uh, that were unavoidable, and so uh, now we're going back to kicking off this presentation and are very excited to do this. Our event today is the, the presentation uh, by CTSC that explains who we are, our activities, projects, and areas that we can assist members of the NSF community. Our speakers today are Von Welch, who's director and PI of CTSC, as well as the director of Indiana University's Center for Applied Cybersecurity Research. Dr. Jim Basney is an identity management expert and the principal investigator of CI Logon. James Marsteller is the Pittsburgh Supercomputer Supercomputer Center's security officer and leads systems and operations. And we also have Professor Barton Miller, who is professor of computer science at University of Wisconsin-Madison and an expert in cybersecurity. Just a few more things to note before I hand off the microphone. Again, we are recording this presentation. Second. Uh, Participants are welcomed and encouraged to ask questions during the session uh, using this little chat box that we already played with. And we will also have some time at the end of the presentation if you want to ask questions. And with that, I will hand the microphone off to Vaughn. All right.
1: Thank you, Jeanette. And good morning, everybody. It's really exciting to be here for this inaugural kickoff and have a chance to talk to the the community out there that's interested in cybersecurity for open science and NSF science in particular. And I'd like to start the presentation today by talking about the general cybersecurity challenge to doing NSF science and level set why this is such an, an interesting and important field for CTSC to be working in as NSF's new cybersecurity center of excellence. So you don't have to look further than the, the scientific community to see their importance, the importance they put in the science that they do being both trusted and reproducible in order for that that science to have impact. And number of examples here that I just pulled out of uh, the the public press on the different efforts that the scientific community goes through to validate their their, their science completely out of the context of cybersecurity just in general. And for those of you who are familiar with the science and the cyber infrastructure ecosystem in which that science happens in, understands the richness and complexity of that ecosystem. We have the, the science communities, which are very often, particularly with the larger projects, uh, distributed over a number of organizations using a number of services from commercial to some of the higher ed regional networks, national networks like uh, Internet2 and ESnet, and then open source and commercial software packages from a variety of source, both from within and outside the community. And for those of you who watch the the news about cybersecurity, you know that we have sort of a constant churn of cybersecurity issues in our information technology infrastructure in general, a variety of breaches and vulnerabilities that come at us in a fairly steady stream. So the underlying base of the IT infrastructure under which we're doing this is certainly not Risk-free, and that that brings a real challenge. That we're trying to do this trusted and reproducible science on this complicated ecosystem, that has its challenges in terms of uh, the cybersecurity of the of the general information technology. We also have a couple of misconceptions out in the community, and let me just uh, mention those briefly. This is, as I've, I've mentioned, you know, great majority of NSF science, as well as some of the other science out there, is what referred to as open science. So, there doesn't tend to be a great deal of confidentiality involved in the data. Particularly, you think about some of the basic physics, chemistry, biology, so forth. You know, there is some areas where you get into human subjects and health records, perhaps, but a lot of it tends to be very open. And a lot of people mistake that lack of need for confidentiality for a lack of need for cybersecurity. We're getting that issues such as the reputation of a project matters. if A project is constantly being compromised and, and having to, you know, with availability issues, uh, will erode the reputation. Not to mention the data integrity issues, which we've already seen from some of the previous examples, are so important to the scientific data that underlies the science that's being produced. And then we can get into some secondary issues. Nobody likes to see their computer systems misused to attack or even harm others. And we even do an open science projects. Uh, for those of you who watched the recent LIGO announcement on the, on the gravitational waves, know that there's a, there's a period where some confidentiality is often useful make sure that announcements don't go out that are premature and so forth. So there, there is, even in the most open of projects, some confidentiality needs from, from time to time. Another challenge we see is often quoted, my data isn't valuable to anybody. But there have been examples where recently we're seeing attacks, uh, ransomware, for those of you who are familiar with it, is a great one which is actually being perpetuated to a large extent and very scarily in hospitals these days, where the attack basically encrypts your data and makes it unavailable to you, and then attempts to blackmail you and extort money to get your data back. So from if you step back from an economic perspective, they're turning the value of the data to you into their way of trying to extort money. So this is a, an interesting attack to, in terms of monetizing data. And so there are growing some growing trends which, which bother us in terms of, of these things attacking data that hasn't really been monet, able to be monetized by the criminal element up until now. And last misconception which is, is one that I see with a number of cybersecurity professionals is sometimes is the real effort to reduce risk to zero. And there needs to be an understanding out there that really there's no endeavor that can be done and progress made that doesn't involve some risk. And so there's a joke out there which some of you may have heard of. It's actually very easy to secure a computer system. You put it in a safe and you sink it to the bottom of the ocean and you now have a completely secure computer system. The joke, of course, being is nobody can actually use the computer system. And so this is what brings us to really what we see of as our philosophy on this matter, which is the challenge around cybersecurity for NSF and open science in general, is understanding and balancing the scientific mission versus the risks, and taking these two uh, factors into account as one goes through a cybersecurity program development with the cybersecurity professionals talking to the scientific leadership, understanding what's mission critical, understanding what level of cybersecurity is important, and easing these tensions we so often see where cybersecurity can be seen as overly onerous by making sure it's applied as as carefully as possible to enabling the ultimate science mission. And then the last challenge that I'll mention here is, for those of you who follow the the workforce development area, you'll know that right now IT workforce in general is stretched thin. And cybersecurity is no exception. In fact, it's an area of particular demand. And so we see a case where the, the number, the expertise that understands this overlap of computational science and cybersecurity is a very, is a small particular group. And so now we come to uh, CTSC's role in how does uh, NSF science, computational science, navigate all this. And it was the factors of these particular challenges, the workforce issues, the need to understand these complicated ecosystems and risks involved that led to the creation of the Center for Trustworthy Scientific Cyber Infrastructure or CTSC about three years ago to help the community tackle these issues. And you can see CTSC's mission statement there on the slide right now. I've I've already sort of paraphrased it, which is in a nutshell, we're here to help in the best way we can. And you note from uh, Jeanette's introductions, we're a multi-organizational center spread across Indiana University, NCSA, the Pittsburgh Supercomputing Center, and of course University of of Wisconsin, and funded by NSF to help the community. And so there's no charge for our time from the community. NSF pays for our time to work on this. And then we were very excited, as I mentioned, after our initial three years in the cybersecurity innovation for for cyber infrastructure solicitation last year to be refunded and officially designated as the NSF Cybersecurity Center of Excellence. And so we look forward to working with the community over the next three years in that context as the Cybersecurity Center of Excellence. We've started developing now a vision for CTSC to work with the NSF science community, which is broken down into these three goals. Is first for the whole community to understand the role of cybersecurity in producing trustworthy science. So some of my preamble here gets at these challenges of understanding the exact nature of what does it mean to produce trustworthy science? What does cybersecurity's role play in that? How does cybersecurity and computational science coexist in achieving that mission without being overly honest, enabling the science and optimizing for that production of trustworthy science? Second point is to deliver that information to all the projects and facilities so that they have that information on hand in a way that they can disseminate and understand and develop a cyber security program that persists and is responsive to the evolving risks and requirements both from within the NSF community and in the broader IT ecosystem that we all live in. And the third part of the vision is focused on the very large NSF projects, the roughly two dozen large facilities that exist in the NSF ecosystem and working, making sure we take time to work with each one of those facilities to really make sure that they have an effective information security program that they are happy with. So we will do these things in the context of the following menu of activities. And these start out are most broadly scoped with tailored public resources. So these are, are all things that are available on the trustedci.org webpage, uh, the URL which is up there at the top of the page. So these are best practices that we've determined through our experiences and working through the community. Email lists, discussion forums and announcement lists, so varying degrees of information that you can get from us on a timely basis. And as Jim Basney will talk a little bit later, a new situational awareness program that includes vulnerability announcements. Then we have an ongoing outreach program that includes our blog. Uh, We are working, we will, we attend a number of meetings in the community to help disseminate and answer questions in specific domain context. Uh, Actually a couple of our team members are at the large facilities workshop going on this week. We've often been to SI2, the information. Uh, the software innovation, PI meetings, uh, other NSF programs we tend to exceed in a number of other places. So we look to go out and get into the community and work with them as well as working with key academic partners that facilitate NSF science in Europe and throughout the world. Then we host uh, an annual event that Jim Marsteller is going to talk about, the NSF Cybersecurity Summit. I'll let him talk about it and, of course, we've now started these webinars which today is focused on the CCOE, but we plan to go into other detail and other efforts and bring in members of the community to talk about their work that is of of broader interest uh, to this community in terms of cybersecurity for science. We have training that we deliver at events and can also talk to you about delivering it tailored for your project or your community. And then finally we do what we call engagements. So these are one-on-one us working directly with an NSF project to tackle a specific cybersecurity problem that they have. And this can be anything from help, we're just getting started and we, need, we want to ramp up a cybersecurity program, to we have one that's been running for a while now, but we'd like some feedback on whether or not we're doing the right things, to projects that are developing software and helping them with aspects of software assurance, like Bart is going to talk about shortly, or helping them evaluate new features in terms of the cybersecurity of those features. And so these make up these sorts of things that we routinely do for the community, but really if you have a challenge, come talk to us and it's our role to figure out how to help you. So we do have a number of these activities which are new for us as the Cybersecurity Center of Excellence. For those of you who worked with us over the past three years, here are some new things that to watch for. We're going to talk about a couple of these things today, particularly the situational awareness, software assurance, and identity management. Uh, the threat model for open science we'll, we'll bring more about. That's a new effort that started up. We're not going to talk in detail about it today, but you can visit the URL. And then coming soon, you'll see uh, an annual survey that we will do with the community to help benchmark and understand how we can best serve, where the needs are, and then tailoring resources for smaller and newer projects as we starting to grow and broaden our impact. Look for new uh, activities that are aimed at the you know, small group, PI, and just a handful of graduate students or projects that are just starting up. So now we're going to move on to some focused discussions on some of these new areas. And at this point, I'm going to hand over speaking to my colleague, Jim Basney, who is going to talk to us about identity and access management. So with that, Jim, I'll hand it over to you. Thank you, everyone.
2: Thanks, Vaughn. Hi, everyone. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. And just a reminder, if you have any comments or questions, uh, please do post them in the chat. And so in the uh, the area of identity and access management is one of multiple important parts of the cybersecurity program. And as Vaughn described, cybersecurity program is an important ongoing activity to develop and maintain for NSF cyber infrastructure projects. The goal of identity and access management in the NSF CI uh, ecosystem is to enable access while managing risk. And this is all about supporting the important distributed scientific collaborations that um, in many cases are national and and even international. And so to do that, we want to leverage, share identity and access management services like the InCommon Federation in the United States and uh, support many different topics, identity federation, password management, multi-factor authentication access control policies, etc. So uh, much more information about our IAM activities at the URL that Von just posted in the chat. Von mentioned one of our um, activities as a center is to do engagements, one-on-one engagements with different NSF-CI projects and other collaborators, and so here's the list of five IAM-focused engagements that CTSC has done to date, and you can see that um, they've been about international coordination and um, single sign-on, role-based access control, and supportive science gateways. For each of our engagements, not just the identity and access management engagements, we uh, always produce a final engagement report that describes the conclusions of the engagements and the process we went through. So please do check out trustedci.org slash engagements for more details about uh, the identity and access management engagements and our other CTSC engagements. One exciting uh, result of, uh, uh, that uh, our, one of our engagements helped to launch is that InCommon went international in February to enable international federated identity management. And uh, this, this activity was launched through a CTSC and LIGO engagement back in 2013 that launched InCommon's Inter-Federation Working Group. And through uh, multiple years of work in, in common and that CTC and LIGO participated in, uh, we have this nice result that now uh, identity providers and service providers in the United States and Europe and around the world can now uh, work together to support these um, international collaborations. Another important topic for us is providing situational awareness to the NSF cyber infrastructure community. And so we know that there's uh, many sources of uh, alerts about software vulnerabilities and other uh, security issues that you're all subscribed to. So how can CTSC contribute in a meaningful way? Our goal is to provide the alerts and awareness about issues that are particularly relevant to the NSF cyber infrastructure community and provide guidance tailored to our community. So we're leveraging the existing sources of alerts That you see listed there on the slide and uh, we're uh, continuing to grow our sources of vulnerability information that we track and uh, currently to um, get our alerts and to um, uh, be part of the discussion of our alert service uh, please subscribe to our email lists and uh, you can see the url there for our situational awareness activity that uh, shows the different alert email lists that we provide both for cyber infrastructure operators and for cyber infrastructure software developers. And then there's a discussion list. And so we definitely see this service as, uh, uh, as uh, providing value to the community both uh, in terms of inputs and outputs. So uh, if we can help the community gather information about our response to a particular alert, how the software developers in the cyber infrastructure community have updated their software in uh, reaction to an open SSL vulnerability, for example, we're uh, very glad to provide that coordinating service to the community. So uh, please do subscribe to our email lists for the service, and uh, we're uh, very happy to have your feedback and input on the service as it moves forward. And with that, I'm happy to turn over the microphone to Bart Miller to talk about Software Assurance. Thank you, Jim.
3: Uh, I guess I'm the interlude between the two Jims. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, our efforts with software assurance. So CTSC has uh, uh, has a nice history of dealing with helping people develop security programs with engagements and assessing risks. And what, we, what we're trying to do now is carry that as a natural extension down into the software. Uh, you know about your environment. You know about your practices. Now, what about the software you're writing and deploying, and how do we Deal with the security issues specifically in that software, and we're we're breaking that down into a few into a few areas: uh, training, uh, where we've had some nice um, activities there, and we're expanding that engagement specifically for dealing with uh, software, dealing with your software issues, situational awareness, as uh, uh, Jim and Vaughn nicely mentioned, and providing guidelines for best practices, not just in in the software itself but in the software development process. So if we look at um, the software engineering process, um, those of you who are developing your own software as part of your, as part of your projects, um, you, you have to deal with issues that, relative to your code. Are you programming with it securely? Um, are you ready to handle vulnerabilities that will pop up in your code, even the best code from the best organizations? Will have flaws in their code, and how do you respond to that? And are you distributing your code in, in a secure way? And these are areas where we're going to we're helping develop best practices and to share with you. It's it's one of our major goals to work with the NSF large large facilities, the software institutes, and other projects to help well develop a c- consensus. Our, we want to help set expectations as to what we should all be doing. To ensure software security, and, and this, is a, a communi- this is a community-wide effort. And on top of our current training, we want to—we're going to add—we're adding new training. We have existing training in several areas, and we're going to add some in how to use software assurance tools. These are tools that will help scan your software for flaws, and a facility which I'll tell you about in a moment called the Swamp. Dealing, moving into mobile. Dealing into uh, providing briefs for those of you who manage both uh, at the facilities level and policy level. um, Not just the technologists, but how should people be approaching security from a policy level. And then help develop software development best practices. So it's not just the programming, um, but what steps you go through in designing, developing, testing, and deploying your software. Those are all crucial to develop uh, secure software. Uh, we're delivering our software uh, with new vehicles we have some modules uh, online and we're going to t- move some of our entire curriculum like our our software secure programming and so- and software assurance tools curriculum to online video podcasts that you can do that you can uh, reach out and take from our website in time and we're even planning in, in the next year um, to produce uh, a MOOC for a wide area audience to deal with. Um, secure programming and software assurance uh, activities, and of course, we mentioned—we've already mentioned the uh, situational awareness. Now, one resource which is uh, available. Um, to you folks, and it's actually widely developable, is a partner project funded by the Department of Homeland Security called the Software Assurance Marketplace. And this is a place where you can go to get access to these software scanning tools, these software assurance tools. And whether you're programming in C, C++, Java, Python, Perl, Ruby, JavaScript, huge variety of languages, it's a place where you can get access to the software assurance tools, upload your software quickly, get assessment results back from a large suite of these software, and then use us at CTSC as a resource for helping introduce you to these resource facilities, introduce you to the tools, and help you navigate your way through using those. So our goal in general is to provide support for your software assurance process. So we want to engage with you, we want to support you, we want to provide resources to you. So ask us how we can help. You with your software assurance goals, or ask us how we can help you set your software assurance goals, so you know uh, so you can have your more confidence in your software. So um, next up, uh, I'll hand this off to Jim Marsteller, who will talk about our security summit.
4: Thanks a lot, Bart. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you're a member of our community, I'm hoping that you are familiar with the Cybersecurity Summit. Uh, For those of you that are not familiar with the summit, I'd like to just take a quick opportunity to give you a summary of um, what exactly the Cybersecurity Summit is. The very first summit um, began in 2004, and those of you who were in the security or the research and education community around that time might remember a series of uh, intrusions that uh, went across our community, also the private sector, uh, an individual named uh, Staccato. Uh, there was also FBI Major Case 216, if you're interested in learning more about it. But it uh, made us realize that we didn't really have a venue or a forum for us to get together, compare notes and experiences, and um, that was the start of it. And it ran until 2009. It was organized by Educause, and then it just uh, sat on a hiatus for four years. And then when CTSC um, uh, began in 2012, we realized the value of this summit to the community. And one of the things that we wanted to do uh, was to reboot this event. So starting in 2013, we have organized and planned the annual cybersecurity summit. It's uh, for large facilities and cyber infrastructure. Um, It's every year in August, generally. Uh, We're trying to keep that time. And it's just an opportunity for us as a community to get together, share some best practices, try to tackle some of the common challenges that we have as a community uh, together. And um, it's it's been a really successful event. Um, And with that, let me uh, just talk a little bit more about it. So last year's summit was – the theme was understanding the information assets that enable science. So, you know, with any type of security program, you really need to understand what it is you're trying to protect in order to protect it, having a good inventory of what your assets are. So that theme really focused a lot of the uh, the talks and the presentations that we had. We had roughly 90 people uh, that attended last year. And one of the things that uh, we started in 2014, in an effort to try to get the community more engaged in providing more of the content, is we issued a call for participation that would allow the community to put in proposals for different topics and talks that they wanted to hear. Uh, We started that in 2014, and uh, last year the the response was really uh, enormous. We had more presentations or proposals than we actually had time in in the summit, so really good response from the community on that. Overall, the evaluations from people that attend the summit are or overwhelmingly positive, with 95 percent of attendees rating the summit as either good or excellent. So it's um, good to know that we're uh, uh, doing something uh, well here. Another thing that we changed last year uh, was the training program. So the training program has, has been very successful and highly rated by the attendees. We initially only did a half-day training. Last year we expanded that to a full day. Uh, and. Um, we're able to film all the training rooms, and it's a practice that we're going to c- continue going into this year. So, with that transition, I would just like to take the opportunity to let everyone know that we are now uh, have an open call for participation for this year's summit, the 2016 summit. Um, the deadline is June 3rd, so that's just a little bit shy of two weeks, but we're really encouraging uh, um, people to submit proposals for a plenary session if you want to do a panel discussion or just a lecture. Uh, if you have a training session that you would like to um, propose, we would like to hear about it. Um, we also have table uh, top discussions. This is at lunch uh, on the two, on on Wednesday. We will have um, different lunch t- tables that will be focused around a topic for people to discuss. And uh, continuing what we've had for the past two years is a student program. If you have a student that's interested In a career in information security. There's a a scholarship program where we can help with some of their travel costs if they're selected. Um, The deadline again for these is June 3rd. And I'll just direct you to, uh, Janet's actually put a link in the chat room, to the summit page, and on that summit page you will uh, find a lot more information about the call for participation, including some tips on how to structure your CFP. With this though, we'd also like to encourage people to submit CFPs that address the findings from our 2015 report. I'd like to just go through them fairly quickly here. So uh, these are the areas we'd really encourage to have some responses from. Uh, The first uh, finding from last year was we realized that as a community, we don't have a good strategy when it comes to developing cybersecurity budgets. So how can we, what's the right balance between uh, human resources versus technology or training, so um, proposals that would address that issue. And then in conjunction with that, how can we tell that we've got the right metrics in place or what are the right metrics for us to understand whether or not uh, we're funding our program sufficiently and, you know, in balance with the rest of the project science mission? A third recommendation our finding is uh, a certain... Cer- me, focused on risk assessment within a project, how is uh, risk responsibility distributed, and how is accountability of risks uh, within a project the project's leadership, personnel, and its stakeholders. And then finally, uh, kind of building on Bart's last uh, uh, section, uh, is software assurance. You know, our community relies a lot on open science software, a lot of it which is you know not adequately maintained. Um, so, you know, how can we as a community try to minimize the risk associated with some of our software? Um, so those areas, we really encourage uh, responses to our CFP. And then finally, um, I've been talking about the summit. The dates are, are actually August 16th through 18th. It's in Arlington, Virginia. Those of you who attended last year, it's in the same hotel. Uh, we're, actually, we're doing something slightly different this year, too. In years past, the summit has been invitation only. This year, we're doing an open registration process. So, um, we do expect the, the uh, you know, seats will fill up very quickly. So, if you are interested, um, you probably want to go and make your registration uh, as soon as possible. And uh, once again, that information is available on the Trusted CI website under the directory summit slash summit and um, hope to see you in August. And with that, I will turn the reins back to Jeanette.
0: Uh, one more thing that we could mention about the summit is that it used to start on, the training day was on a Monday, and we pushed that back, so now it starts on a Tuesday, which is very helpful, I think, for some people due to travel.
4: Yes, yeah, so, so our training day will be the Tuesday, and then we'll have a day and a half of plenary on Wednesday and Thursday. So your Monday you have, uh, you can travel, and another change in this year is we're pushing the start time up from 8 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock to help, you know, some of those people that will be traveling from time zones further west.
0: Okay, great. Uh, Well, now we would like to open up the group to ask any questions. Uh, If there is something that you wanted us to go back over, you're free to... type type anything in the chat session here. Okay, so Jenny asks, is there any strategy focused specifically on operational security? Vaughn, do you want to start with that?
1: Yeah, hi. So this is a, a good question. I think the most appropriate thing we have for this is we have a cybersecurity program guide on our website under resources which is focused specifically on helping open science projects develop cybersecurity programs for themselves. And so, for example, if you're familiar with some of the work out there in in NIST and other places on cybersecurity, you know this can be a bit overwhelming. And so this is work that we've done to distill those down, provide a set of templates and help a project walk through the the, the process of developing a cybersecurity program. The other thing I'll mention is we also have the email lists, a couple of one a couple of which are for announcements around the situational awareness that Jim Basney talked about, and then we also have a general discussion forum for folks to ask questions and share experiences. And I'll. I'll leave it with that and see if any of my co-PIs want to chime in. They're they're welcome.
4: So, Jenny, I would also point out that with the mailing list, there is uh, a mailing list just for infrastructure operators. So, uh, that's a good mailing list to join. You can, you know, um, field questions or questions about, you know, a specific vulnerability. It, it's relatively low traffic at the moment. Um, but that's probably a good community that you want to get plugged into.
0: Okay. Looks like uh, we have another question coming in. One: Is there a public location for these slides? Yes, I will be posting them to our uh, archive uh, once this presentation is over. And two: Is there collaboration possibilities for IoT security? Whom may I connect with?
1: So let me let me take a sh- a shot at that, Jeanette. Uh, So with regards to IoT security, we we certainly have worked with some projects who have some IoT-like infrastructure. So for example, for those of you familiar with NEON, know that it's got large arrays of ecological sensors out there. And we're also working some now with the array of things in Chicago. So as an applied center, we tend not to work on these subjects very generically but we work in the context of the individual projects, over
5: time we will distill some best practices in general.